0: With Hashem Salpur learning Soita Daflamid Dalid, we left off on Dalid Ahmed four lines from the top. We are in the middle of learning a phenomenal braisa describing the event of the splitting of the Jordan, of the splitting of the Yardin, when our people, when the Jewish people entered the Eretz Israel for the first time under the leadership of Yahushua. So as we are learning Psukim here, explained in the B'raisa, the Kahanim, that time, from the very few times, were the ones holding the Adan Kodesh. They were the ones leading, they were in head of, in front of, the entire column of the Jewish people. And as they stepped into the Jordan River, the Jordan Rivers over there simply opened up. Opening up meaning that being that the river is flowing the flow stopped flowing, instead of the water continuing to flow, it started to go up. And now asks the B'raisa, How high did the river reverse? How high up did the waters of the river go before it returned to its normal course? So here we have an interesting Machleik, it's The first Tanah Rebbe Yehuda says, Shneim Aser Mil And in this version, Al Shneim Aser Mil, it went up 12 mil by 12 mil. Interestingly, Rashi seemingly doesn't have the Al Shneim Aser Mil because we're not speaking about the width. We are primarily focusing in on the height of the waters. 2,000, I'm sorry, 12,000 mil, just to put things in perspective, that one mil is 2,000 ama. When the Jewish people were camping, when they were encamped during the 40 years traveling through the desert, then they camped in a way, as we spoke Bekitzer yesterday. We had in all of the four directions, in each direction, three of the tribes, and all of them sent were around, circling the Aram Kaidish, the Mishkan, that was in the center of the Jewish encampment. And that encampment took up 12,000, 12, I'm sorry, 12 mil by 12 mil, 12 by 12. All right, one mil. I'm saying uh, one parse is four mil, so it's either three parse by three parse or twelve mil by twelve mil. And why did it go up twelve mil? In other words, apparently the waters were traveling the same speed that it takes people to travel. So as the Jewish people that were occupying the space of 12 mil while they were walking through the yarden, during that time the waters were going up, and if they travel on the same speed, so if the space that the Jewish people take up is 12 mil, then the height of the waters went up 12 mil. What are you telling me? The water went up 12 mil. Adam Who is swifter? Who moves quicker? Heather I'll tell you. Mayim, column, waters move quicker than people. So true, the Jewish people's encampment took up 12 mil, but in Cain, if you're telling me that the waters reversed course, went back to normal, after they hit the height of 12 mil, the waters should have come and, uh, and should have washed the people away. According to Rabbi Elimelech, that the waters were heaped up, and they continued to raise, keeping Al keeping arches upon arches or waves upon waves. Yaser Mishloish Mil, more than three hundred mil. Imagine you're going from twelve mil to over three hundred mil, and if the waters went up that high then basically all of the people that lived then in the civilized world, which was centered around what we call today the Middle East, all of them saw that water. All of the kings, and obviously their citizens, both those who are in the east and the others who are in the west of the Jordan River, saw the waters. And Takish and as it says, that when all of the kings of the Emirates heard, Asher be ever hayarden yomah the ones who were living towards the west of the Jordan and wa khamal hayaknani asher and all of the kings of the Canaanites that lived on the sea ais asher haywiz hashem esme hayarden that Hashem dried up the waters of the Jordan River. Yisrael for the Jewish people, until they walked through it. So when they heard that, and hearing here means seeing, according to Rabla Zabir Shimon, is Vahimas their hearts melted. And and they had nor what we will call today fighting spirit, Yisrael, to face down. Right, to stand up to the challenge that the Jewish people were posing as we entered the land of Israel, and as the Marshal points out, and using the words that we have a lot on Hasidus, that doyma shmiel can't compare hearing to seeing, even if they only would have heard of this miracle, it wouldn't have impressed them as much as seeing it. And yeah, and they saw it, how did they see it? Because it wasn't only 12 mil, 12 mil is around, let's say, 12 kilometers, it was over 300 mil, over 300 kilometers tall. Is there Reb saying that as long as the Jews were crossing, the water was going higher. It appears, it appears that Rabbi Huda is saying the same thing. You know, as we spoke at the end of yesterday's share, the waters in a river, they flow in one direction. So what Hashem did was, it's, it, the flow kept on going. But instead of the flowing, going downstream, the flow began to go up. So the, the, the flow didn't stop. And that's the sole question. You're telling me it only went up 12 mil? In other words, you're claiming that the speed upon which we walked was as quick as the, mo- the movement, the swiftness of the water? That, that doesn't seem to be that way. Now, it could be the waters were moving very slowly. Could be other miracles happened, but Rabbi Yudah holds it was a 12 mil tall. And v'av, roch of hazayna when Yeshua, before Yeshua entered the land of Israel, he... Followed that which Moshe Rabbeinu did. And we'll speak about this today. In other words, he again sent spies. His takeaway from the stories of the Meraglim was not sending spies as a mistake. He actually went and sent the Meraglim. And they were hid for a while by a woman called the Zaina. And uh, she said to the shluchim of Yeshua, She also told him, Kishamanu, We heard Eis asher Hashem yamsuf that which Hashem did to the waters of the yamsuf. And Vixivenez says that vanishma that they heard about the miracle of kriyas yamsuf, implying also that they somehow witnessed it. And as we know from midrashim, that during kriyas yamsuf, all of the waters in the world split. So true by Krias Yamsuf, they didn't see the actual waters of the Yamsuf because the waters of the sea, they don't exactly flow. So they didn't go up and, you know, they didn't pierce the clouds. But when they all saw their waters, even waters in their cups splitting, and they were told about the miracle of Yamsuf, so they understood that this is connected to Krias Yamsuf. So also, our hearts melted, Ruach and we lost our fighting spirit, etc. Now, continues the B'raissom, that Oydam beyardem, while we were still going through the Jordan River, O'melahem, Yeshua, Yeshua tells them, he gives them a speech. And by the way, the Mepharshim say that the question that Rabbi Loza, Shimon has against Rabbi Yehuda isn't only who's swifter, the waters or the people. Now we're learning that Yeshua gave a speech to them. So it wasn't that we walked through the time that it would take for the waters to go up 12 mil. That we walked through and Yeshua gave a speech. And still the waters according to Rabbi Yehuda only hit 12 mil. It must be that Rabbi Yehuda holds that when you give speeches, the speeches should be very short. That's a good uh, moral from this. And it's like a short speech. We record this whole speech. He said a few words. He says, Do you should know. Alma atam On what condition is Hashem performing the miracle? which is enabling us to walk through the Jordan River. And why is Hashem perform, performing this miracle, al minas on the condition, the words toirishu, very importantly, does not mean to inherit. The word toirishu means to drive out, to be megadish, to drive out, to make sure that none of the inhabitants that lived then should be allowed to stay under no terms or conditions. Shenem as it says, and according to pasuk in Parshas Masei that v'hoirashtem eskol yoishvei haaretz mipneichem, and as Rashi in Chumash points out that it doesn't say v'yorashtem with the yud, which would be the normal word used for inheriting, but it says with the hey v'hoirashtem. Hoirashtem means v'geirashtem, kick them out, drive them out if you're going to drive out the inhabitants of the land then it's good and if not, those who will remain will be so challenging for you it's going to be as if you're going to be drowned you're going to be drowning in water the waters of the river, of the Jordan will come and drown and we're quoting his word normally the waters will drown you should have been eschem that both I and you, in other words, the concept of that we are all responsible for each other, that mistakes that are made by some of the community, they affect not only those who committed those mistakes, but they affect everyone, including Yeshua. And as they're still walking through the Jordan, Yeshua, Yeshua spoke to them again, and he told them the following, that, That, May each man... Now he actually singled out one representative from each of the 12 tribes. So this speech, these words were addressed to 12. And he told them that each one of you should lift on your shoulders a stone. And being that he was telling that to 12 representatives. So it's going to be lemispar. It's going to be corresponding to all of the shifte yisrael, the tribes of Israel. Why should they take these stones... So, you see from this b'risa that there were actually two sets of 12 stones. The first set of sets of 12 stones, when he told them the first time, each one of you should lift up on your own a stone, it says, for this to be a sign amongst you, you will see those stones were put down in the place where the Jordan River split, or even more, as we learned, as we learned at the end of yesterday's shir, on top of the that when the kahanim put their immersed their feet into the Jordan, the water split right away. So they put those twelve stones exactly there, that was on the banks of the Jordan River, and those stones are there, and people can see them. So Kiyish alun when later in the later generations, your children will ask you, why are these twelve large stones sitting? on the banks of the Jordan River. So you're going to tell them, similar Abomin, this is going to be a sign for the children, that we went through the Jordan River. Now this was regarding the first set of 12 stones. And Oydem Beyarden, while they were still in the Jordan River, after they fulfilled this order of Yeshua, Yeshua told them again, take another set of 12 stones. And that said, is what we learned about already in the Mishnah that that take carry for yourselves from from the Jordan River, ragle hakrihanim from where the kahanim are standing, and and make these stones ready, prepare the shteimesrei avonim. And watch a they be prepared for. You should take them with you. And you should put them down where you will sleep that night, which means that we took it with us. And as we learned yesterday, the day that we crossed the, the Jordan River was the day that we got to the Har Grizem and Har Evel. each one according to their opinion whether it was Benes, that we got to Shechem during the same day, or there were two other mountains, or as the Yerushalmi spoke out, there were two mounds that we made, and we called one Grizim and the other one able to correspond to the large mountains, HaGrizim and HaRevel, and there we put the stones, and they were made into an altar, and they were coated with plaster, and we had all of the words of the Torah engraved in it, all the words in all the 70 languages, Either according to Rav Sadigai, the the the, the mitzvahs were written in all the seventy languages. Obviously, also on Lashon Kodesh. According to many other the, the entire Hamish Echum were written in all of the seventy languages. And then they took the stones with them, and they they got that same day to Gilgal, and they stayed in Gilgal, and those stones were put down in Gilgal. So, would you don't think that whenever we continue to journey from there onwards, we can took the stones with us. Talmud Lamer, Asher Telino, Bay Halayla, that had only stayed with us where we camped that first night. And that is where those stones are. Omar Rebbe Yehuda, or according to the Messiah, Omer Rebbe Yoisi, because we know that there is Rebbe Yoisi, Ben Chalafta. And being that, Rebbe Yehuda is saying, Abba Chalafta, the Masoretic wants to interpret those words literally. My father Chalafta, and Rabbi Eliezer ben Masya, and Rabbi Eliezer ben Masna and Abchannan ben Chachinoy, Omdu al Oysam Avonim, they examined those stones and vishiarum, and they estimated that Kol that each one weighs the weight of forty. So, uh, now before we go on, just an interesting halachic source that this gemara is used for regarding our uh, mitzvah of kibbut ava'em, which also finds expression, or moira ava'em. We, 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 we have awe from our parents by not speaking out their names. question is, if a person's father is a big rav, and they want to quote their father, how would they quote their father? So here, they bring from over here that Rabbi Yoisi who was quoting his father, didn't just say chalafta, but when he put the words, Abba Khalafta, my father khalafta, so father is some sort of honorable title. It is an honorable title. And that allows a child, even a child, not to violate respecting his parents and quoting his father by the name when needed. Okay, so he went ahead and he said, don't forget, we quoted from the Yeshua that Yeshua told him that you should lift it yourself. Right? Those were his words. Pick it up yourselves. So when they picked it up, those stones weighed around, weighed ke'arboa <laughs> is around like three cubic ames. Translating this today's and today's weights, it's a few hundred pounds. Each one of those stones, they were very large stones. And they continued by saying, we have a tradition that a burden, a weight, the Maley inish lekaspe that a person will will lift himself on his shoulders, you see there is carrying something while it 's ready on my shoulders, and then there is the koyach of picking something up myself, so a weight that I pick up myself and put on my shoulders is more limited than a weight that someone helps me put on my shoulders. What is the ratio it 's a third so if I can carry if I can lift up myself and put on my shoulders the weight of 40 sa'ah of a few hundred pounds that means that these leaders of the tribes were such physical gibaitim, they were so strong that if someone would have helped them to put the stones on the shoulders they had the kayak to carry three times more that weight 300% more well, this was a third of what they are able to do the Madlennish HaKasbi is it's a third from what a person can actually carry when someone helps helps them put something on their shoulders. If that's the case, if these were the great gibradim, so by themselves they can carry 40 sa'am, which means if someone would have helped them lift those stones, they had the kayak to carry 120 sa'am, Whatever that means. Let's say it's around a ton. Mamish, it's crazy. There was that strong. Now you'll appreciate, when you'll calculate, the, 12, the, the 10 out of the 12 spies that Moshe Rabbeinu sent, came back with them. They brought back to the Jewish people in the desert. They brought one cluster of grape. And they brought one pomegranate and one fig. This is written in the title. And we know that 8 of the 10 carried that one cl- cluster. So let's go figure out how large or how heavy that cluster was. Shenem, and as it says in Bamoit Shalach, that they carried with one pole, two, two, means two people were carrying one pole because you have a pole. So one person was on one side, the other person was on the other side. And on that pole, they put the cluster. That would appear to be the literal meaning. Says this, Shenem, Bamoit, the moment you say that they carried a cluster on a pole, you carry a cluster of grapes on your back, you, one person is carrying it. The moment you have a pole, that automatically implies that you need to have two people, one on each edge of the pole. Is Why does the word Shnayim have to be written? Other people here understand that the proof is from the words, they carried it. So you have they carrying it and on top of that you have the word shnoim. so there's a double problem here oh no, it's just right pole they means two again two so from here we learn bshnay moita is that there were two sets two sets of two poles and amar abi Yitzchak, to clarify that further turtani it's carrying a load, the and there is a load under a load. What does he mean by a load and a load under a load? So I am using here the Vilna Shas, and here in the back of Masechtas Sota, mamash the last daf, right after the words of the siyum, uh, you probably have it. You can look that Matsasi kasav loshon harosh. For to have a diagram for those of you who are using an art scroll or the or the you for sure have a diagram in the Gemara itself. But he brings three to him. He brings the Rashi's opinion, Rabbeinu Hanana's opinion, and the Rashi's opinion. In other words, there were ultimately, there were four, according, let's go according to Rashi, there were four poles, and they were formed like an X, if you see in the picture. And you hear, and, and at the end of every edge, one of the... One of the spies carried it. So you had eight people. According to everyone, it's eight people. According to the Rabbeinu Hananul, you didn't make an information of an X, just to make it with my hands. No, it's according, to, according to Rashi, it was like this. Two and two. So at the edge of each side, according to the Rabbeinu Hananul, it was two poles. But instead of having one person at the edge of the pole, at the end of every pole, they put, perpendicular, they put another pole. So on every edge... There was two people. So two, four, six, eight. And according to the Raj, it was two poles. Normally, you would have one person at the end of every pole. But what you did was, on, let's say, the higher one and the lower one. On the higher pole, to the left, they only had one person. But to the, to the right, they had three people. And on the other pole, they did it in reverse. Ultimately, having the same amount of people on each side of the cluster of grapes, be that as it may, coming back to our Gemara, that there were eight. The is, 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 is different than we have in the back of the Gemara. I saw that. Oh, Ketzad, okay, uh, back in the Gemaras, at the end of the second line, that Shemayna Nasu Eshkol, there were eight of the Meraglim that carried one cluster. And Echad Nasarimayin, one of them carried the pomegranate, the Echad Nasar Te'en, and one carried the Te'en of the fig. Amazing. So Khajbin, how much would that cluster weigh? In other words, every person with help with help, can carry 120 sa'a. So, uh, so this is times eight. That's 960 sa'a. So. It's like 10 ton. One cluster of grapes. Now, Yeshua are sure wait. Well, it had to be the max weight. Because if you wouldn't have needed all of them. No, 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 no. It had to be the max weight because if seven of them would have been able to carry it, then the other one would have carried another large fruit. And we learned about Pedas Ganaisar, called the fruits of Israel, are, are, are miraculous. Are miraculous. Did we discover them yet now? I don't know. But we have this in other times in Shasta as well. Saying, if, that I carry for a long way, if you're trying to. I get it a little so that I yeah, yeah, but if you're trying to impress on people how large the fruits are and you want to bring back more fruit then you would allocate another free person to carry more fruit. Uh, now, Yeshua and Kalev didn't carry anything. Because they're chashif. And because they already understood that the purpose for carrying back these large fruits would be to imply, and they actually ex- explicitly, unfortunately, said that we are unable to conquer the land, They sensed that, so they didn't want to participate. I, the question, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he sent them, told them the words, So how can Yeshua and Kalev not obey what Moshe Rabbeinu told them, which is to take the fruits of the land? Many people give a good answer. That means that while you are in Israel, in order for people not to realize that you're spies, people are going to notice you're foreigners, Appear like your business people. Buy produce, sell produce, you know, when a tourist is coming and they have these large bags of the locals, so they fit the role of a tourist. So, Ulakachta priha Haaretz wasn't bring back fruit. Make believe that you're there, to, you know, to, to, to do fruit business, but to come back, Moshe Rabbeinu, we didn't need the fruit, we had the deman v'chuli. Continues the Gemara. Before we go back to the spies, now we're, we're back to the Machlekes of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbulazib Rab Shimon, that we had a machlekis whether the waters went up 12 mil or 300 mil. And now, Danny, very good. So you were asking, what does that mean? In other words, was the water traveling as swift as? So there's a machlekis amayroim in the machlekis tanoim. One of them holds that ledivre Rabbi Yehuda turning to the flamadalad amid bezan atop of amid kachan yasan avrum. That we traveled across the Jordan in the same formation that we had while we were encamping. And again, as we learned yesterday in the Brisa, that's clear when we encamped. means when we were stationary in the Midbar. So then we weren't stationary in a form in a straight line. We were like in a box, three in a square, three shvatim, three shvatim, three shvatim, and three shvatim, all centered around the Mishkan, all centered around the Aron Kodesh and the Mitzvah. Now when we traveled, so Rabbi Yehuda will hold, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yehuda will hold that we camped also, we traveled through the Jordan in that formation. And why is that? Because even if, not even if, according to this understanding, Rabbi Yehuda understands that the waters travel, they move with the same speed as people walking, so the waters went up 12 mil. Okay, but that must mean that we crossed over while we took up the space of 12 mil. Had we formed a single column, then our formation would have taken up a lot more than 12 mil. Then the waters would have gone up a lot more than 12 mil. Now, the mm-hmm. Divri, Rabbi Abshimin, Shimon, who asked on Rabbi Yehuda, one second, waters travel quicker than people. But you know something, even if he's right... And normally, waters travel swifter than people. But how does he go from 12 mil to 300 mil? So let's say waters travel double the speed. So from 12 mil, you have 24 mil. Hey, you have 48 mil. You know, slave 300 mil. It must be that there's something else in which Rabbi, Rabbi Lozzeb and argues with Rabbi Yehuda, which is that that when they traveled, they traveled in a single line formation. So when you take up people that are encamping in a square, in a box, and you make them go in a single line, they already, width-wise, they take up hardly any space. It's not 12 mil on 12 mil. There are those who held that when we walked, we walked 10 in a row. It's not, you know, 10 in a row is not 12 mil. So that made the line a lot longer. Compounded with the fact that waters are swifter than people, that's how he hit the 300 mil. However, v'chad but another one of these Amarim hold that Bein lamar, Bein Mar both Rabbi Yehuda and Ablazah B'Rab Shemin hold that when they went across the Jordan they did not go in a single column formation. They, they went in the same formation that they had while they were encamped. camp. Mar Sovar adam Kal Right? Rabbi Yehuda holds that people are just as swift as the waters. Umar savar Mayim Kalim, and atke Kach, that it, the ratio is 12 mil against 300 mil. Just to Ulay, so kind of interesting, perhaps as what this argument is all about, you know, life is a journey. But some people, they, 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 they come to the conclusion that their purpose on life is just a journey. And they go from place to place, and they're changing things, and it's all about the journey. It's not all about the journey. Our purpose is to bring godliness into the world. There is a goal. And when people hit their goal, you gotta camp, you gotta stay there. You gotta stay focused and do what, you're, what we're meant to do. And being that our ultimate goal as a people is to keep the mitzvahs, and we keep the mitzvahs, dafka, all of them in the land of Israel. So we were entering our goal. So even as we traveled in Eretz Yisrael, we didn't travel in a travel formation. We traveled in the encampment formation to show that this is, this is where we are. This is what we're meant to do. This is where we're staying. Now that we mentioned the Meraglim, says the Gemarim, Let's go back to the story of the spies. Shlach lecha anoshim. Right. This is When the Parsha Shlach begins with the words, Hashem tells Moshe, Shlach lecha, send to you. You know what those words imply? Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, you should send them by your own discretion. In other words, I don't need them. You want to send spies? If that's what you want, do what you want. Why? What's his proof? Will a person choose for himself a bad portion? Kaviachal, the Adam, is in comparison to if Hashem would have been the one giving a mitzvah to Moshe Rabbeinu, commanding Moshe to send the spies, Moshe following God's commandment, nothing so terrible would have come from it. Hashem wouldn't have told Moshe to do something that would have wrought such a terrible outcome. It must be that Moshe Rabbeinu on his own sent his spies. And indeed, and this is the meaning of when Moshe Rabbeinu, in the beginning of the fifth book of the Torah, in Chumash devarim, Parshas devarim, begins to repeat certain things that happened during the 40 years. And there Moshe Rabbeinu repeats the story of the Meraglim. And he says, regarding to the Jewish people, you, you asked me to send spies. And Moshe Rabbeinu said then, Vayitav be'enai hadavar. That this concept appeared good in my eyes. Yeah, it was good in my eyes. Hashem didn't need it. Hashem didn't ask for it. It was something that we did on our own initiative. And then it continues in Parshas Devarim. Now in Lashon Kadesh, the commonly word, the commonly used word for spying is viyosuru, And those words are used also. In Pasha Shelach. To spy. What's the meaning of V'yachperu? Yachperu also means spying. But that word also implies something else. Amar Abchei Abba. Meraglem le'neskavnu. Elo le'boishto shel Yisrael. That their intent was only to shame the land of Israel. Ksivach it says over here. V'yachperu l'ano so'aretz. The words again, the unusual word for spying, vayyachberu, and there is a Pasik in Yeshayah, that after Mashiach will come v'chafra that the moon right will be abashed and the sun will be ashamed. Kimalach when Hashem will express His kingship over the world. So you have the words v'chafra halavana that this all of this brought about a shame in to the land. Just to say another interesting touch of the words, chafra. Chafra halavana, you know, the Rambam begins the beginning of, of, of the yada Hazaka after he says, Hashem elam, which is how the Rambam began all of his He writes always oh, a pasik, and he writes the pasik, Davar is saying, I will then not be ashamed. Kol when I look into all the mitzvahs. He won't be ashamed. So that's not the taich over there. The taich of Dover HaMelech is, like, let's go to the Rambam. The Rambam went ahead and he wrote a sefer that hasn't had all of the mitzvahs. And he claims, rightfully so, that the entire oral tajah is written into Yad HaChazak. And all you need to do is read the written tajah you know, and you can go straight to the Rambam and you'll know all of it. Now, sometimes when people embark on a very ambitious mission, an observer can say, you know, you're a bit arrogant, you're a bit pompous, you know, what, who are you? you? You think that you can put the entire, you can codify the entire title in a book to the point that everything will be in it? Some people are abashed. It's like, who am I to do it? So the Rambam writes, no, 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 no. If you are able to do something that's needed, then don't feel abashed. Do what you need to do. The Rambam says, bahabiti I am able to take a look at all of the mitzvahs. Most people can't. So if that's an ability that God blessed you with, then you're obligated to do it. Now relating over here, Bikitsir, at least according to Hasidus, the theme of the spies is not as bad as it appears to be. In other words, they, according to Hasidus, God forbid that they thought that God cannot perform miracles and we don't have the koyach to enter the land of Israel after everything Hashem did for us. Of course not. So the way we understand is, is that You know, there's the Ratzoi and the Shuv. There is us wanting to go up to God. And then there's our understanding that God wants from us to bring godliness into the world. That latter step was missing by the Menaglin. They very much wanted to be connected to God by elevating themselves and the entire Jewish people. And that, they felt, is, it could be done, and Taka was done on a much higher level when we dafka were in the desert. We were completely disconnected from all types of physical mundane activities. So they didn't want to bring godliness into the world. So in other words, their desire was... They were, they were, they, 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 they were pompous. They had this shamefulness of saying, you know, we, we want to affect of us staying in the desert for us to be able to daven the whole time to learn the whole time to lead a spiritual life but that was not something that Hashem wanted Back in the Gemara, of Shem And here, Parsha Shalach, the Torah records the names of the spies. Lamate Re'uven, Shamua ben Zakur, right? Lamata Shimen, Shafat ben Choyri, Lamati Yehuda, Kolev ben Yefuna, etc., etc. So, Rabbi Yitzchak says, Rabbi Yitzchak, Dover Zeh, they know the following is a tradition that we have from our parents, that Meraglim Al She'i Masayim Nikru that the names of the spies were connected to their choices that they ultimately made, to the bad choices that they made. In other words, as the Masha points out, in Pasha Shlach, before the Torah records their names, it says, Right? etc. At the end of the 12 names, right afterwards, it says, that It's mamish a repetition. The Torah says twice, these are their names. It's to tell you that who they are is expressed through their names. You know, it says that Rabbi Meir Darish Bishma. Rabbi Meir, whenever he heard a name, he, he right away expounded the name and he told you who the person is. I, how did the parents know when they name a baby who the person is going to turn out to be? So the Ariz Altaqa writes that it's called a Nevu'a Katana. The parents might think they know why they gave the baby the name that they gave them after the Zayda, etc. That might be their reasons. But the name that we give our children is exactly who that Neshama is. It both expresses where the neshama comes from. And at the same time, and it's connected, it expresses the mission that this neshama has. And when certain neshamas did something very not good in this world, all of that is hinted to in their name. So we had a tradition that explained the meaning of all of their names and their father's names in relation to the story of the spies. However, says that Rabbi Yitzhak, but we lost that tradition. We only have one, Ela Echad. And what is the one? It happens to be the, the leader of the tribe of Asher. And his name is Sesur ben Michael. So what was the Mesutist? Sesur means that he conceals the actions of God. Michael, the word Michael means, that he made himself weak. Literally himself weak. Is Kaviyochl going on God Almighty? That's why we don't want to speak it out. Once he said that God is weak, God cannot help us conquer the land. Or according to the Hasidic... Yeah, yeah. So according to the Hasidic interpretation is the opposite. Is that he concealed the action of God. They wanted not to be living in the world of action. They wanted to be living in a spiritual world. So they wanted to conceal the action of God. And Michal means that he made himself weak. In other words, he felt, the Meragam felt that if we're going to enter the land of Israel and we're going to be forced to be occupied with all of the mundane activities, if I'm going to be obligated to leave the yeshiva and go work, I'm afraid that my Yiddishkeit is not going to stand strong. That comes from considering oneself weak because we are very strong. We have an ashamah in us and we have everything that it takes to be a good, observant Jew, even while we are engaged in the world. So it came from some type of low self-esteem. Amr um, Rabbi Eichnan says, Rabbi even though we lost the Messias, but I on my own will interpret to you other names. Let's say ourselves, let's expound ourselves. So here we're speaking about the leader of the tribe of Naftali, and his name is Nachbi ben Vafsi. That also means, Nachbi means hiding. Shehechbi they hid the words of God. Vafsi means that they stepped over Shapisa al Midois of Shel They stepped over God's midas. They, you know, There's Chabad of the Sphidis, there's the Midois of the Sphidis, then there is the Malchus, the action of the Midois. They wanted to live in the world of, of Seichel, of Chabad. They wanted to learn Torah the whole time. They were Takadur So they put themselves above the Midois. But that's not the kavana. The kavana, the purpose is to take the godliness that is in the higher parts of Yiddishkeit, and Torah, and in tefillah, and to bring it down into the midas, and to bring it down into action. And all of that needs to find expression by keeping the mitzvahs, and all of the mitzvahs, living in the land of Israel. It's interesting that we learned in this masech itself I think it was in Daft for or Dafud Yudbeis. In the bottom of Amit when we spoke about Kalev, that Kalev was the husband of Miriam. And uh, the question is that we brought a pasik in Dibre Hayyamim. Remember that? And there he's called Kalev ben Chetzrein. So the Gemara asked, is Kalev ben Yefuna or Kalev ben Chetzrein? So one answer was, Kalev ben Chetzrein. Whether it was his father or his stepfather, Yefuna means that he d- turned away from the bad conspiracy of the Meraglim Another... Expounding of the names here, Limal of Kalev. And then it says, They ascended in the south, they is in the plural, and he came at Chevron. Should have said, They ascended from the south, and they came to Chevron. So that Kalev, it took himself out of the conspiracy of the spies. He understood that they are coming with a plan that is not what Hashem wants, but he was afraid that he won't be able to stand up against them. So what did he do? And he went, and he prostrated himself, people quite literally Prostrate themselves on top of the Kvanim al Kivrei Avais on the burial sites of our forefathers. And Omar Lohen, and he said to them, Avoisai my parents, bakshu Rachmim, ask Hashem for mercy on me. She'en Natsil, that I should be saved from the conspiracy of the Menaglim. And as we learn in Egeris, HaKodesh, Egeris Chavzain from the Altar Rebbe quoting from the Holy Zoyar, just uh, you know, the words, that uh, there's different levels in the neshama, that there's, let's speak the words that he speaks, there is nefesh, ruach, and neshama, that the nefesh of the person stays in the caver, literally, and it stays there until the times of the Tchias HaMesim, until the resurrection. The neshama goes to Gan Eden. The ruach is what fluctuates between here and there. And therefore, when it says in the Zoyar, that when a tzaddik passes away, shavik chayim, that he leaves life for the living. So D'alte Rebbe is It should have said shavakchayim dikholchay that he left the living. So he says actually that the the, the zayir is saying that a tzaddik leaves his life for those who are living. And connected to that, there's an ingan to go dafka to kivrit tzaddikim. Their 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 nefesh is there. And if we live in their spirit, so they give some of their ruach to us and the ruach of tzadik is as the Altat explains, it's it's Emuna and it's Yira and it's Ahava, and that's exactly what Khal Ben Yafuna did. So asks the Gemara if he understood that he needs help and he went to Hebron. So Yehoshua, why didn't Yeshua go to Hebron? So here the Gemara says, Because Moshe Rabbeinu already davened for him. He already had the tefill of the Tzadik. As it says, That Moshe Rabbeinu called, he added the Yud. And what does that mean? He said, God's name, should save you from the conspiracy of the Meraglim. So therefore, he didn't go to Hebron. Apparently then, as the Gemara will say, like now in tafshina right before Mashiach, Hebron might appear not to be that safe. So if he didn't need to go there, he didn't go there. Well, it's interesting to note that in the Zohar it says, regarding the letters Yud and the letter He, from Hashem's name. That in those days, unlike today, sometimes you add a whole name to a person. It was more common then that you added letters to a person's name. For the same reasons when a person, God forbid, was very sick, if a person needed a Psanu Bracha for parnasa, the letter Yud was added in the beginning of a name, and the letter He was always added at the end of a name. The letter Yud gave that person additional spiritual power. And the letter He gave the person power over the physical world. Like for example, Sarai became Sarah because she needed to physically have a child. She was not lacking in Ruchnias. She was a greater nev- uh, prophetess than, than Avram Avinu. And here by Yoshua, he needed a Ruchni, a spiritual uh, boost to make sure that he won't uh, be tricked by their conspiracy. And and now we understand that only Kalev went to Khevran. When it says, At the end of Shlach, that my servant Imoi, since there was another spirit in him, So we know that Khevran was taken given as a Yerusha to the descendants of Kalev, Or better, just using the Tanya, that the Iker, Diok of the Gemara, from the word Ruach. That he had another ruach in him. Whose ruach did he have? Kalev on his own would not be able to separate himself from the Meraglim. But since he went to Kivrei Tzadikim, he went to Kivrei Ovis and So he got to him the ruach, the spirit of the Avais, With that additional ruach, he was able to stand against the Meraglim. He was able to stand with Moshe and with God. Now, the Pasek speaks about Hebron, who lived in Hebron. The Sham over there in Hebron lived Achiman. These are names. Achiman, Sheishai, Vitalmai, Vigoimer. So the Gemara is going to point out that these names show you how mighty they were. How intimidating they were. So Achiman, these are the, the, these are the descendants from the giant. So Achiman means Miyuman Sheba Echov. You see the words Achiman Achhi? Yemin, he was the right hand of the brothers. He was the most prominent of his giant brothers. Sheishai means, that when he walked, he rendered the land filled with pits. Rashi has another girsa because the Rashi says, is not connected to Sheishai. Sheishai is connected to Shayish. Shayish means marble, that his legs were like marble. That's how strong he was. Talmai, the third one, means Shem Talam talamin. That whenever he walked, he made furrows and furrows in the ground. Push his feet sunk into the ground. You wanted to plow your ground. You didn't have to bring a plow. You brought Talmai just to walk in your neighborhood. on top of that, means uh, it, it, sometimes people are mighty, but they're not uh, dangerous because, because they, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're leyuts they're, they're lachnikas, they're, they're not good leaders. They were not only mighty, but they built, they were, they they led people. Aheman built a city called Ant or Anos. Sheshai built a city called Alush. Talmai bought a city called Talbush. Again, implying that they were great people. They accomplished things. Yili they the meaning that they were descendants of the giant, says the Gemara Sheman Nikim, Khamabi Khaymasam, that they made the sun into their necklace. Ke'ilu, when someone is so high. When we normal people look up, we see them, their heads are in the heavens. It looked to us that their heads went through the sun. So the sun was shining around their necks. It continues the Braisa. It says, sheva that Hebron literally was built seven years before Tzayan Mitzrayim, Reich So Rashi. So it says, nivnisa. what's the meaning of the word built? It can't mean over here that the city of Hebron was pushed built. Seven years before Zion was built. Ilemen, Ibn Samamish. Adam, Baina, Bayis, will a person build a house for his younger son, Kodem, Libnai Hagadol, before he builds a house to his elder son. And it says, now we're going back to Parshat, when the Torah is recording the Shevim, the 70 nations. So there it says that the descendants of Ham, his sons were Kush, and then it says, Ufut, uchnoan. So, Mitzrayim was his second son. Kanaan was his fourth son. And since Tsoyan is in Mitzrayim, it makes sense that Ham first built out Egypt. He built Tzoyan, and only later did he build Chevron. Elot must mean that Nivnesah comes from the root of building, as in giving birth to Being fertile, that Chavrein was fertile seven times more than Sayan, And that's a big statement. Why is that? Because there is no more stony ground in the land of Israel relative to the other parts of the Holy Land more than Chavrein. And that's and the proof for that is the Khavri Bay that we bury people there. Why do we bury people there? Because it's land that is unfit for planting crops. And there's no more fertile land outside of Eretz Israel It's more than the land of Egypt. Where do we know that from? From when Eloich chose to go move to Sudaim, Kigan, Hashem, Ki We said that Sudaim is so fertile, like God's garden, which was then the land of Egypt. So the land of Egypt is the most fertile of lands. And in the land of Egypt itself, what region was the best, was the most fertile? And how do we know that? Because it says in sodav that all of the ministers who built their palaces, they built it in Sion. Why would they build it in Soyan? Because it was the most beautiful, the most fertile of lands. And nevertheless... Chevren, which is the most inferior of the land of Israel, is mevuna Echad Meshiva B'Tzayim, is seven times more fertile than Sion. Asks the Gemara, to Rosh Hashem is Chevren stony? V'Hak it says, and now we're going to Avshalom, we learned this in the beginning of Nazar, Avshalom was a Nizir Oilom, Which means that he was allowed to cut his hair or to lighten his hair once in 12 months. But when he lightened his hair, you have to bring the karbanis of a Nazir. And where did he get the animals from? It says, That Avshalom told his father, Let me go to fulfill my vow and to bring karbanis. And he went to Hebron. He went to bring sheep from Hebron. And we learned that the best rams come from Ayev, But the best Kivasim come from Hebron. Now, if Hebron has the most stony of lands, why would they have the best sheep? L'chayret proves that the land in Hebron is... Good. If not, he would have gone to other places in Israel to get his sheep to bring it. Now, by the way, the the, the, the Mishkan in which he brought the karbanis was either in Giv'oyin or it already was in Yerushalayim. Once he didn't go to Hebron, it was, you know, it was in Gilgal, it was in Shiloh, Noiv, Giv'oyin, Yerushalayim. So the Gemara answers, Ah, no, fakert. You are asking from the place that you're asking is my proof. The best sheep comes from Hebron. Why? Because it's the most stony of lands that either the Kaleisha are since the soil is poor. And therefore, you don't plant crops there. If you would plant crops there, no animals would go graze there. You don't allow animals to graze in fields where you plant crops. They'll eat up your wheat. So you, 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 they graze where there's only grass. Why was it grassy? Because the soil was poor. Is of the roya. They used it to pasture. And therefore, vishamain. Akin Yana, and therefore the flocks that grazed there were fat. Let's hop another few words. Then it says, that they returned from spying the land, turning to the flamid, hey, right? They went and they came. That's mamish extra. They, Of course they went. They went to spy. All you needed to say is that they came back. In the name of Rabshim and Ben Yochai, Makish that they're returning. Back to Maishu is is compared to their leaving. Ma We know that when they, made, when they returned to Maishu Rabbeinu, they came back with a bad conspiracy. You should know that they already had those seeds when they left. Afhalicha Everything goes after the beginning. And v'yesap And they told Maishu when and they said, Banu. They started to speak about how we came there and the land is amazing. What you're saying was true. However, they gave a bunch of praises. And then they said, Ephes, however, ki And then they went on saying that the people there are so mighty that Kaviyach, God Almighty, is unable to, to, to push them out. So Amar says Rabbi Eichanan, Now we have something very interesting. Normally when the Gemara gives an mnemonic, it's an mnemonic of what's about to happen. Here, when in the parentheses we have the word simon, emes, levaday, levoya, it, it, this is an mnemonic of three statements that Rabbi Yechanan said, Mishum Rashbi, but they're not all written over here. The emes is written over here. The levaday and the levoya goes to a statement that's going to be in Daf mem Beis, and the other one to Daf mem vov. Anyways, so what, what's the emes? And it, and it's Rab Shimon. I'm sorry, Mishum Rashbi. Mishum Rab meir. That call lashon hara, is what we have three times. That call lashon hara, that any hara that doesn't have some truth in it, no one will listen to at the end. And as we have the famous words, that sheker ain't that falsehood doesn't have feet to stand on. So the staka began with MS, how good the land is, because that whole kavana was in order for people to accept their lie. If they only would have come back with a bad report, if they would have contradicted everything that Moshe Rabbeinu would have said, no one would have listened to him. And as we say, al-pidrush that the letter shin, kur fenei in ksav shuris in the letters that we used to write the Sefer Torah, none of them have legs. So an aleph has two legs. A base has a platform, it has what to stand on. How does a shin look in the Sefer Torah? It's a point. How does a kuf look like it's a point? How does a resh A reish only has one edge on the bottom. That it ain't like raglayim. So they added some emes, not because they were good, they wanted to be honest. They were saying the truth for people to accept the lies that they said. And it's Hashem to be continued.